Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, my friend, Randa Prendergast, attorney whisperer. Oh my gosh. Tell us about what an attorney whisperer is. I got to hear this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am the self-proclaimed attorney whisperer because I work with law firm owners and I understand lawyers and attorney mindsets, all those little mindsets that block them. I can typically pinpoint their pain points in their law office too. And uh, just because I've worked with plenty of law firms and with a lot of attorneys. So I usually can understand where they're lacking in their processes and what they need to um, build their law firm up. Awesome. So um, give us a quick example, maybe about a recent client or a client that you're actively working with. Now, what was the issue that you spotted right away when you were working with them? Sure. I'll actually give you the most, the biggest pain point and issue that I see all the time. And Law firm owners think they're unique in this situation and they're absolutely not unique, but it's billing. So they're working all these hours, but they're not consistently getting their bills out to their clients. And so we make a plan to create working blocks for them to do billing or provide a billing clerk for them and or provide a billing procedure for them. So it makes it easy for them to get billing done. But all attorneys have the same issue. It's like across the board that they work all these hours, but then they never bill their clients for them. And then they have this AR and wonder why they're so stressed out. Why do you think that is that uh, attorneys work those hours, but yet they don't bill out their time? There is a little bit of like, they like feel bad. They're too emotional with their clients. And that's good. That's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to have that relationship with their clients, but then they feel bad charging them for their work. And so what we like to talk about a lot is, A, your experience and your education is worth it to, you know, charge what you do charge. So it's definitely a mindset. And B, let's take the emotion out of it and let someone else handle your, your billing and not you. There's a lot of emotions in billing. And it's very surprising that uh, attorneys don't recognize that. I love that perspective because yeah, if you're looking at a bill that you're going to charge a client, you intimately know the details of that case if you're the attorney. And so you're thinking about, oh my God, did I charge them enough? Did I charge them too much? Should I write this down a little bit? Or maybe I shouldn't charge for that. But someone that doesn't know anything about that, they're just going to be billing based on what they see. And most of the time, it's totally fine with clients. Absolutely. So I, you know, we like to provide billing clerks because they're only looking at names and numbers. They have no idea what's going on in the case. So we even remove it away from like someone that's supporting the case, like a legal admin or a paralegal, because they have the same emotions too. Not that they're writing down billing, but if they're trying to collect on a retainer, maybe they'll do a little bit of extra work and go over that retainer threshold because they know that this is going on in the client, something particular is going on with the client's life and they feel bad about it. So when you say billing clerk that you provide, how do you provide a billing clerk to work with a law firm? So typically when 
We only provide billing clerks with law firms that we're consulting with. That means we're setting up their billing procedures. We're training the staff or the attorney on billing, on timekeeping. And then we like to place a billing clerk. And so essentially what happens is we give them best practices. The billing clerk goes in and does all the billing. There's two options. They can run the bills to draft form. So the attorney does have the final say. Or if we get really, really good at billing, we just send them out and we skip the attorney part at review. Awesome. So you were like the billing superstar here. And I'm so glad that you're on the show today because I have a ton of questions for you. I am not a lawyer, as those of you that have been listening probably know. But most of our listeners are attorney entrepreneurs. And I oftentimes run up against this issue with attorney with attorneys, which is what can they bill for and what shouldn't they bill for? And the classic example is, oh, you know, I'm driving in my car thinking about this case. Should I bill for that time? So can you give us some guidelines on some of the things that maybe attorneys may not think they can bill for, but they totally can? Sure. Like, let me preface by saying you should always like follow the bar and their suggestions on billing. And it, it will be dependent on, you know, on what type of area of practice that you're in. However, it's always the idea. And this is my training, too. I used to be a paralegal. So I've worked in law firms. I used to doing billing. Our attorneys that I worked for and that we work with now, it's anything that pushes the case forward. It, you should consider billing. So if it is communication with opposing counsel to schedule something, that's pushing the case forward, right? Anything where it is pushing the case forward can be deemed as billable. So if you are doing research because you're going to file a motion to push the case forward, definitely billable. If it's strategically thinking about the case on how to push the case forward, definitely billable. Now, sending your client a timestamp copy of their pleading, probably not. There are ways or attorneys that do stack small tasks together to make it billable. So maybe they'll send the timestamp copies and then ask important questions to the client that will push the case forward. But there is a difference between just like general admin and billable stuff. But I definitely would group that with case strategy. It's always a good idea, too. If you have ideas that you're thinking about, have a case strategy session with your client, too. Sure. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. So let's imagine, you, well, you don't have to imagine, but for all of us attorneys and people that are listening, let's imagine that you, Randa, are working with a law firm. And you're starting to get going with them and you've already had this conversation. They're going to use, you know, your more billing clerk approach to get this thing done. We've talked about what can be billed and what can't be billed or what shouldn't be billed. And they're good to go on that. And, and this is for all of you attorney entrepreneurs that are doing this that are listening. And I know there's many of you. There are these attorneys that are writing down their time on a piece of paper. And at the end of the day, they go in and they enter in their time, except sometimes they forget to do it at the end of the day. And so then it goes the next day. But sometimes they forget then too. And But they always get it done by the end of the week, most of the time. <laughs> what are the challenges with that approach? Sure. So we do a lot of training on timekeeping. And so we'll talk about the importance of keeping time. Your tasks are probably taking longer than you think because also your emotions involved with it when you're going back to put in your time, right? Oh, I didn't spend an hour on this. I'll just 
I'll just put 0.7 or something like that, right? So what you think, how much time you think you're spending on something is usually longer, number one. So you're losing billable time there. Number two, when we do training, we talk about the importance of using the timer, how to add time based on all the different features and like a case management software that you might have. And then we, our billing clerks or myself as the consultant will uh, do check-ins frequently to help start that new habit of keeping time. So we'll check your time. We'll check the team's time as a whole. You can tell typically in a case management software, if they use the timer, if they're just putting time in and we'll try to send gentle reminders and then forceful reminders about uh, keeping time and why we do it and keep reinforcing that. It's also typically written into their billing procedure that we do for them. And then the billing clerk can definitely tell um, when she goes to do billing if time has been kept. Awesome. I love that. So you're really attacking it from all different angles. That's a really thorough approach. And I'm sure your clients are really happy with the results they get from that. Yes. I mean, I even have one client, I would text her every evening, what was your time for today? And I would just like text her over and over until she answered. (laughs) And she would have to tell me exactly what her time was for that day. Nice. Nice. Which, Which brings me to the question, what size firms do you typically work with? Sure. Most of our clients are solo or small, small being two to three attorneys. Some have support staff, some have none. Some are true solos. So we get all shapes and sizes in that realm. No one really too big. We're happy to work with bigger law firms, but typically they have team members that they can delegate uh, processes to. They'll listen to this awesome podcast and be like, oh my gosh, we're not doing this. And then they can go back to their office and delegate it to a team member. So we like to help out the small guys. Fantastic. Well, you know, I, I enjoy working with small law firms too. We Our focus is with two partners or less. So really small firms. And I think we both, your firm and mine, work with these small law firms all across the country. So fantastic. If I was to write an article that would say something like, here are the top five reasons you need to talk to Randa, and assuming it's going to attorneys, what are some of the top five flags, I guess, that would tell them, oh my gosh, I really need to, I really need to give Randa a call because she can really help me out? Sure. You're not doing regular billing. Or you have cash flow issues. Um, You're spending money on marketing, but you're not seeing higher conversion rate. Your caseload's too high. So we could help you there with how to delegate and workflows within case management. And or this one's really bad. And I don't get too many of these, but it does happen. They're missing deadlines or their calendar is double booked. Got it. Got it. I love what you raised there about marketing, caseload, and workflow. We'd love to hear more about each of those, but let's go and start with workflow. Workflow, yes. So especially with solos, there's just not enough hours in the day to actually get the the legal work done. So at some point, you want to add someone to your law firm. And Mrs. June Legal actually started out as placing legal support on a 1099 basis in law firms. But what was happening is We would go into these law firms to help out, but they had no processes or workflows in place. And so our rock star, say paralegal or legal admin, could not shine because they were constantly trying to follow up with the attorney. Okay, I know overall how how this is done, but how do you want it done? How's the law firm doing it? Right. So there's a lot of training involved there. 
And there was just very little guidance. It takes a lot of communication, very little delegation. And so that's where I really wanted to get into law firms and do legal consulting and set up workflows for these law firms. Like, let's go through it once. Let's capture all your workflows, put it into your case management software, or at least have it written out as detailed as possible so we can auto-delegate or delegate to a new team member or a current team member on your team. Not only does that automatically happen, it keeps the case moving forward. And within each task within that workflow, we're telling the person on like how to complete the task. So there's no question, oh, is someone going to do it the way I want? We'll put it the way you want into that task. Awesome. And workflow means different things to different people. Just paint us a picture of what a workflow might look like in Clio or even outside of practice management software. Sure. So yeah, it doesn't have to even be case management software, practice management software. Um, It's just most law firm owners have it. And so it's good to use it because there's a lot of automation involved there. Um, but you can use just a good old Excel work- worksheet. Um, and so when I talk about workflows, I'm talking about case workflows. Like, what are you doing in each case from start to finish? But you don't necessarily want to put it in one giant workflow. You want to break it down by process because not each process is going to be applicable to each case. So, for example, if I am working with a family law attorney and they file divorces, we would do a workflow workflow for uh, to file the divorce complaint. And then we would do a secondary workflow to respond to a complaint or file an answer or a counterclaim because those are two different um, processes. One, you have, you know, a defendant or a plaintiff or a petitioner. The other one, you have a respondent or a defendant. Then you have to think of what happens at the end of those workflows. So in the complaint one, if the defendant files an answer, then your trajectory on which way the case goes is different if they don't file an answer. So you would break down each process separately and only apply the processes or workflow on that matter or case when it's applicable. Okay. sounds like a series of steps that basically describes how a, you know, a, a legal process or event could, could, could happen. But workflow can be so much more than just writing down the steps, right? And so share with us a little bit of the power that workflow can have if you really apply it. Like, for example, in a case management system that has workflow capability built in, how can that actually transform the law firm? Sure. There's a lot of automations that can happen. It just depends on your case management software. So automations, you always want a, um, anytime there's an action item for someone, you always need a follow-up to that action item. So if you're sending out something to your client and you need them, them to respond, a lot of your uh, softwares can do that automatically. So that takes away the manpower of having to someone to actually have to physically uh, follow up with your client, right? Um, anytime that um, a deadline's approaching or something of that sort, there's reminders or um, things that can populate within that workflow to help you remind you of those deadlines. There's document automation, which is huge. Like, you know, changing a case status in your matter can maybe automate a a certain document in your case management software. So like, for example, if you have like a PI firm and you're ready to go into the demand stage, updating your demand case stage could potentially produce a templated demand letter for you. 
So there's so many different options depending on the software that you're using for automation. Sounds like there's a ton of power built into these uh, software systems. And these are, th- these are, this is software for solos and small law firms. We're not talking about really, really large pieces of software here. You can get this in Clio and many other uh, practice management systems. But Randa, I keep coming back to now the firm has to design those systems and implement the workflow. And it sounds like it would be really, really complicated for them to do that. Yeah. So we help the law firm owners design it. We talk about and we help identify inefficiencies in their processes, too. So if we know that they're working within a certain case management software, we can say, hey, did you know it can do this? So why don't we use doc automation instead of, you know, a template that you have saved in your Dropbox, right? Um, So we'll help set up the workflows. And uh, we have a lot of experience in just legal in general and legal processes. So those steps are pretty generic to us. And then we really customize it to you. Like, what are you doing? Uh, We identify inefficiencies. And then we also do implementation. Um, And with implementation typically comes with training. So fantastic. That sounds like a really comprehensive model. And uh, I expect some of your clients, all your clients are really, really delighted to be working with you. It probably takes weeks or months to do this. So for a workflow, it typically takes, I like to say, 12 weeks per practice area, approximately, uh, give or take. That's based on like more litigation, family law, estate planning is a little bit less uh, probate. It would be dependent on if they're doing like a formal or a summary or simple estate. Um, So it's just kind of dependent on where they practice too. Um, And then, you know, how involved they are with the courts too. Some, (laughs) some of these areas, they have to go to court like multiple times. So, um, you know, you need different processes for each appearance or something like that. Got it. Got it. Uh, one of the things you mentioned is, you know, to be relatable to our listeners, you mentioned uh, one of the, one of the things you're dealing with is getting better clients and more of them. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, we've we've had our you know same pain points that any of the listeners have, like identifying your ideal avatar, right? And I think that. Um, that is growth for anyone to sit there and go through a discovery call or consult to identify, okay, this is the person that I want to work with, but really sticking to that when you're talking to people. Um, So for us, it was really identifying like who is open to change, right? Um, Who is open to listen and to learn and for help? Because we can make all of these suggestions and do all of this work, but it's not going to matter if you don't do any implementation. And so, um, you know, identifying, I try my best to identify that right out of the gate. And we ask some questions regarding that. Um, we also talk about like, we are the type of company too. And, you know, a lot of listeners too might have this thought too, like, I don't want to do all this work or just sit back and take someone's money. Like, that's not our policy. So if we're doing all this work and there's no action, there has to be action by the other party, right? And they're not doing anything or they're not interested or there's a lot of pushback. We're happy to part ways too. Um, And just so we're not feeling like we're wasting anyone's time and we're not in the business of just collecting money just to collect money. So I feel like a lot of listeners 
if you've thought about firing a client, you probably should have done it a while ago. <laughs> and go <laughs> ahead and do it now. You'll feel a weight lifted for sure. Well, tell us about the first time you had to fire a client. Um, I always say this. You can lead a horse to water, right? We can't make them drink. And that's really how I start the conversation. We have done A, B, and C for you. We are willing to continue to work with you if you are willing to take action. But at this point, we've done everything in our power to help you. And there's nothing more we can do. Um, and actually, people take it really well. It's surprising when you're just honest about it. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I think we spend a lot more time wondering and, and really being worried about how they're going to respond and how they're going to react. But most of the time, they take it they take it just fine. And the benefits are tremendous. Like They're really transformative. I remember um, working with a solo attorney. Um, this was when I first started focusing on law firms, so many, many years ago. Um, and we were talking, and he was a really well, well-respected attorney. And he said, Alay, I, I want to work with you because I'm just completely, you know, my practice is not where I want it to be. I'm exhausted. I feel miserable. Um, I just don't like my, I just don't like my clients and I don't like my firm. And so we dug into it and it turned out he had a bunch of clients that were just, he, he just didn't like, he needed to fire them, but he hadn't done it. And he didn't know how to do it. He wasn't sure if he even could do it. So we worked through all of that. That was all self-limiting beliefs that was in his head. And we kind of played that out and came up with plans for those clients. And as he started to shed clients, it, <laughs> the effect was amazing. Um, he looked better. He sounded better. And because he was doing those things, not only was he having more fun, but it made it easier for him to bring on more clients. Because when you're down and you feel terrible, it's really hard to do business development. When you feel good and you feel excited and you feel re-energized, your clients see that and they latch on to that. And so his practice just took off like a rocket ship until he got full and he didn't want to grow. And um, he wound up retiring a few years later. Uh, but yeah, that's the power that it can have if you really pick your clients properly and focus on clients that you really enjoy working with. That's a terrific insight. Yes, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to ask qualifying questions to see if they're a good fit, like for your law firm, right? Like they might have a good case. It might be in your jurisdiction, but you should ask some like other questions that are not legal related. Like, how do you communicate? And how is the relationship with that person that you're in a legal battle with? You know, like, how are you, how do you work with other vendors or give them a scenario of like what would happen in a bad situation? You know, like they're at a restaurant and a server messes up or they're at the car shop and something happens. Like how would they handle that? Right. It's totally not legal related, but if they're going to be a, what we call a PETA to those people, then they're going to be a PETA with you. You know, they're, they're going to completely, um, treat you that way too yeah no one likes to be treated that way no. for sure um <laughs> so randa congratulations on on this work you're doing i expect you've got a ton of clients uh, who are just beating down your door because they want to work with you this has come up with almost every law firm i work with is systems implementation time management timekeeping and of course billing what are you excited about for the future of your firm 
So we're growing our like consultant base. So just adding awesome team members, you know, to our team to help law firm owners. We've had some really great people join our team recently, and they've all come from the legal field. Either, you know, they've been a paralegal, they've been, you know, office managers in law firms. They've been, I have a couple JDs. I have an attorney that works with us. So um, we have a lot of great experience and I'm so excited to learn from them too. So we can provide the best experience for our clients. You know, we're always looking um, to increase, you know, what we know and our knowledge, either software or great ideas um, from like podcasts like you and uh, from, you know, help books in the legal field and just other experts in this field. Awesome. Love that. Congratulations again on your growth and on bringing on board these these employees and building out your team. Um, If someone who's listening, an attorney entrepreneur that's just listening wants to reach you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Sure. So if you go to mrsjunelegal.com, there is an opportunity to connect with us or schedule a discovery call. You get to chat with me uh, about all those lovely pain points and how we can help you. Um, All of our socials are on there. And then if you're on any social media and just put in attorney whisper, I will pop up. Awesome. Randa, thanks for joining Lawyer Business Advantage today. It's been a long time in the works and I'm so glad we were able to get you on. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Everyone, that's Randa Prendergast, the attorney whisperer. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.